Granddad business with Aaron Caliber. That's my dad. Hello. Underpants? That is hilarious. Shut your mouth, dude. Rate and review this podcast or my daddy will go into a deep depression. Welcome to Grown Dad Business. It's me, Aaron Kleiber. Today, I am uh, with one of my favorite people. I can look him in the eyes and tell him that. It's one of my favorite people. It's one of my best friends in comedy. It's my friend Norlex Belma. Salute. Salute. Boom, boom, boom. Bam, bam, bam. <laughs> Norlex Belma uh, is a comedian that I met a few years ago. Uh, started his first time right here in my Monday Night Showcase room yep. at the Pleasure Bar Comedy Sauce. First set in front of real people. Crazy. And uh, Norlex is moving back to New York City and continuing to do a, do comedy. And, uh, you know, I miss him already, even though he's back already, even right. though he moved away. <laughs> it's been two and a half weeks. I feel like I had f- three nights of going away shots with you. Yeah. <laughs> um, like, oh, Norlex is going away. Let's do it. Let's have a drink. Yeah. And then you're back in four days. I'm like, all right, let's have a drink. Again. Um, but uh, Norlex, you... He, you have such a uh, like an interesting background because mm-hmm. the more I got to know you, and and figure out like, kind of find out like how you were made. You yeah. know what I mean? Like I'm just like <laughs> I feel like I felt like there's a period of of our friendship where about like six months where every week I would learn something. I'm like, what the? Where'd I'm that like, come from? I'm like, Where'd who that? is this dude? Yeah, like, you're the world's most interesting man. <laughs> who, I need to get an ad who slogan. Is to... Six foot five from Brooklyn. Yeah. Uh, you're from Brooklyn. Yeah. Where's Flatbush, you? Brooklyn, New York. 11210. Flatbush, Brooklyn. Yeah, man. Who uh, who else is from Flatbush, Brooklyn? Uh, There's so many famous it, people from New York. Uh, it's a lot of like those old school like Jewish and Italian actors and directors. Oh, really? Specifically Flatbush, Brooklyn. But huh. Brooklyn as a whole, as you can imagine. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, uh, the, the list is not even fair to start. You know, Woody Allen, Jay, uh, De Niro. I mean, right. it just goes on and on. In various industries. I think I think you're my first guest from New York. Hey, well, I'm happy to break yeah. this here for you. <laughs> so I know, like, so how, what's your, what was your home life like? Okay, uh, so I'm the only child. Yeah. Uh, it was myself, my mother, and my father. Uh, my parents met in Haiti, got married there. My mom moved here first. Then my pops came over. Uh, but at home, it was, it was very interesting, man. Like, I had both my parents, which is a huge, yeah. I mean, not everybody's able to have that. So I was fortunate right. Living where I was living, right. um, that I had both my parents with me. Right. Um, both my parents are public school teachers, so they were both gone all day while I was at school. Right. Um, but they also taught, like, Saturday school and night school. So wow. it was a lot of, like, all right, cool. Uh, one's teaching. I'm in music rehearsal at the conservatory. One's at home. I come back, eat. There's one of those little nuggets you're like, wait, what? Right. But go ahead. <laughs> we'll, go we'll, ahead. Elaborate. we'll get back to that. Um, or, like, uh, I'll get, leave school, go to basketball practice. My pops would come meet me, take me home. Right. Or I would go to my grandma's, then go to another music rehearsal. Like, it was always moving parts. We're always on the move. Right, right, right. But I always had at least one of them in the house until right, high school right. years when I was doing ratchet stuff. And you uh, you have siblings? <laughs> no, just just me. Only child? Just me. That's just crazy. Me. So it was a lot of uh, time, energy, and attention focused in on, on well, my and I that will makes sense. say that. 
And it's uh, it's funny because you're not. I think your parents here learning about you know so much about your parents like over our friendship. Like I'm just like man, like they're. I want to meet them. They're great people. Yeah, they have, uh, they have I, to be great people. I tell people all the time, it's like uh, I'm definitely one of those people who's more than just a byproduct of their parents. Right. But uh, the opportunities that my parents really wanted me to have, yeah, is what really made me the person I am to this day. So starting music so young at three, four, yeah, then them realizing that I had a real skill there. So six, seven, really yeah. ramping it up. Uh, putting me in, giving me, positioning me for opportunities. Right. Uh, and then other people are like, oh, this kid's good. We'll bring him over here. Then I started hooping. Yeah. So then I started getting good with that. Like, you know what? You can still play music, but you like hooping too? Cool. Yeah. You could be on this AAU I mean, team. You could be on this basketball team. What's what's up? It's amazing that, like, your your parents really strived for, like, the American dream. Yeah. Oh, they, they, they did it. They more so than got that. Absolutely. They did it. Uh, I mean, it's 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 a beautiful thing. My it's mom amazing. came, got her got her bachelor's. My dad got his first degree over in Haiti. Yeah. Then he came. My mom gets her master's. My dad gets his bachelor's. Uh, then they're both working for the Board of Ed at that time. Now it's Department of Education. Right. My mom gets her second one. You know, then they have me. And then, all right, so they're both working in schools. They put me in yeah. Catholic school my whole life because them working in the public school system, they knew that they didn't want their kid in the public school right, system. Right, right. So, they busted their butts even more to make sure yeah. I was in Catholic school from K through 12. That's, uh, and, and yeah. I want to switch gears. I was gears. raised Catholic too. Oh, okay. And yeah. I want to switch gears, but it, it involves like, you know, talking about how your parents just really like sh- strive for excellence yeah. for themselves and for you when they had you. And uh, I wanted to bring up, um, you know, I've always wanted to have Norlex as a guest. I've always wanted to have you on. You know, we're good friends. And uh, usually I try to get people that are with kids and stuff like that. But, you know, you're special to me. and Thank you. There's, you are. You are. And it's, uh, I, I joke around, and I can say this. I mean, I feel like my entire life I've always had a black best friend. Yeah. And so. <laughs> I remember the first time we had that conversation. I was like, yeah, man. I'm like, because, well, because I, from where I'm from, and I'm also a 30-something-year-old white man, like, I like to be able to, like, know that I'm on the right track. Right. With things. I don't know how to explain that. Uh, you think, get it. I think what you said explained it. Yeah. Yeah, that um, makes sense. So it's, I've always, and I always like to be connected with, you know, things I grew up with. And and it, this sounds so, I'm trying not to sound racist. It's so. Well, I, you're not. No, not to you, <laughs> but to people listening, they're like, is, what is this white guy talking about? Well, okay. No, I mean, it's just like connected with, with like me growing up in, like, you know, an urban neighborhood and things like that. And, like, just kind of stay connected to my roots by having a... No, that's the worst. Uh, no, it don't okay, sound I think right. what you're going for it is, like, sound you right. want... Uh, it's like, you know that there's certain things that... And this is a strong word, but there's certain things you might be a little ignorant on. Yeah, sure. Or you want to make sure that you're not. Absolutely. So when we have conversations, it's like, hey, by the way, man, I was thinking X, Y, Z, and sometimes I'm like, well, yeah, it's, well... And it's important uh, to me. Right, and it's It's necessary. important to me... And necessary, yeah. as I think everybody should, you know, it, it is important to, like, know what you're saying and thinking and, you know, understanding different points of views and things like that. Mm-hmm. I, I like to know that, but I don't know how that came up. But, uh, <laughs> no, what I wanted to bring up was that talking about your parents and, like, how they have, you know, seem seemingly, like, high standards for you. Definitely. And which is fascinating, which brings me to... Um, you were the feature of a documentary right. that just came out yeah, um, in QED. Pittsburgh. Yeah, it's WQED's uh, documentary about Pittsburgh comedy. 
Yeah. And it's made by our friends Andy Kellerman, Mike Rubino. Rubes. Yeah. Uh, Rubino is <laughs> one of the founders of Arcade Comedy Theater. You guys, we, we, I, I talk about that all the time on yeah, here. Yeah, they must be very aware of that by now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but, you know, Mike Rubino is one of my closest friends and uh, one of the owners of Arcade Comedy Theater. Well, these guys make, mock, uh, these guys make documentaries and uh, they wanted to do a documentary on Pittsburgh comedy. And I talked to Rubino and. They were like, you know, there's some guys we want to check out. And I'm like, you got Norlex. Yeah. He's the hardest working comedian I know. Yeah, I don't play games, man. Which, you know, people have like have said like, oh, Aaron's the hardest working comedian I know. I'm like, nope. <laughs> uh, Norlex is on the scene now. It's, Thank you, uh, man. It's, no, it's no joke. I'm trying and, to be an animal out here with but this. That's, but that's, it kind of shows, that's why I want to talk about your parents because I knew, I kind of knew that already, you know, and, but I wanted you to explain it a little bit more. I, I'll put it this way. Uh. When it comes to them expecting a lot from me, yeah, and then well, what I do now, uh, they were definitely a little apprehensive about the choice of career and what I might be saying or what I was saying. Sure. Uh, but then when like opportunities and stuff happened, right, uh, I started sending my mom the recordings. Right, right. And my dad listened. Did you really? Oh yeah. And my dad listened. So both my parents listened to the radio show for three for three years of the show. They listened almost every week. Really? Uh, my dad would listen live every week. And then wow. my mom, she was usually teaching night school or something. So if she wasn't, she would listen. If not, she would listen to the podcast on her lunch break the next day. Right. <clears throat> wow. So they did hold me. They'd be like, "Yeah, why'd you say that?" Or like, uh... <laughs> like, nah, I, did, I didn't really agree with that. I remember when I the first time I said publicly. That um, I supported gay marriage. Yeah. I got a text from my dad twenty minutes later because culturally, that's culturally that's not where the culture for us as Haitians is at. Sure. Yet. So he's like, "Oh, really?" Kind of thing. Like that's how you feel. I'm like, "Yeah." And the next day, we had a long conversation about wow. it. Wow. So they, they 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 do keep me to a certain mark at times. Right. They, they definitely they know what and I'm it's, doing. And it's funny too yeah. that like no matter who your parents are, there's still this old school mentality. Oh, of course. You, you can't know, be bad and mad at them for that most no, of the time. No, no, and especially since, like, you know, people that, lots of parents grow up Catholic yeah. and, you know, uh, different, uh, you know. Cultural backgrounds. Yeah, 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 yeah. cultural backgrounds. Right, yeah. right, right. So uh, that's that's pretty funny. Yeah, they, they don't play. I mean, uh, I know if they don't want to talk about something in terms of what I do on yeah, stage. Yeah. Most of my mom, I don't think my, my dad's probably watched maybe two or three videos because I had two online. Uh, but, like, if I'm working on something, I'm like, yo, what right. do you think? Uh, she'll say, hey, but nah. I mean, <laughs> or she'll be like, Have you that's, sent your parents a, a set spicy. you've been doing lately? Yeah, I mean, the, the most recent <laughs> thing. I, I know. I, I couldn't do it. I know. The, the most recent thing that they saw was. Uh, You're wilding out lately. Uh, I headlined at Handbones in October. Yeah. And I had that recorded, and I sent that to my mom. Yeah. And as funny as you bring it up, so her exact response was, okay, I like where you're going with some of it. And then she was like, but the rest of it's a little spicy. <laughs> it's <laughs> and, spicy. And I knew that that meant, yo, you should tone that down. When you, your mom you says say, your you comedy's a, a little too spicy. You're saying a lot out That's there. That's funny. Yeah. But, um, uh, but, it's, been, but it's, it's been great. Like, it's, the journey was still going along. Yeah. You know? Uh, but every time they see that work ethic. And that's well, what they, and that's they that's why I brought up the comedy documentary, and yeah. not to just pimp it, but let's pimp it. The comedy um, confluence, WQED. Yeah, comedy confluence, um, and it's it's really neat. It shows your process, kind of you know working on comedy. Yeah. What is what is what did you the say? Quote, the quote uh, from the, the all I doc- do is uh, work on comedy, watch comedy, perform on comedy. Work on comedy. Uh, it's a job. Yeah, do comedy. Work on comedy. Then you do some more comedy. Then you work on comedy. Yeah. Then you perform comedy. Yeah. Then you work on comedy. <laughs> then you listen to comedy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's exactly uh, what it was. 
And that's that's I mean that it's it's it gives people a perspective as like that's where you get from your parents like and some of the things you've other other things you've done. Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean coming the, um, into comedy is well, let's let let's go back. Let's go back before comedy again. Right, right. Because so now I you know you, now we know your parents. Yeah, we know why you're a hardworking comedian. And so go back to some of the other things you were doing so, growing up. Uh, starting at three and a half years old, I started playing uh, violin. When you told and started me this, playing around a little bit on piano, but just like when you smaller. told me this, I was like, "Who are you?" I was yeah. like, "What?" <laughs> like you're a secret agent, oh, like definitely. infiltrating the comedy scene. I don't even know uh, when I'm supposed to turn on. There's going to be a switch that goes off, and it's over for everybody. That's so funny. Um, yeah, so that was uh, three, four years old. Uh, I wasn't supposed to be enrolled into the conservatory program until five, but they brought me at four, and they said, yo, just listen to them. See what... They said, cool, so they let me in a year early. Uh, so from four to 17, I spent every Saturday and, and then two other days a month uh, at the Brooklyn Conservatory at Brooklyn College. Wow. Um, so that was this violin, uh, piano. Uh, and then at 10, I picked up viola. So I did viola there. I mean, it's kind of the same up, thing. Yeah, well, it's, uh, you have to read a different clef. That's technical talk. But it's essentially the same thing. Uh, as long as you can read, you'll be fine. You can be adding uh, an instrument. And then I, then I started jazz piano. Then I started playing in church at 12. Uh, then trombone wow. in middle school. First See, then, now, trombone. Now, now, that's where you go from piano gets, and viola. Yeah. And then you're just like, I'm good doing trombone now. I'm yeah, like, trombone, you know definitely. Uh, I played drums in uh, Haitian folklore dance groups. Uh, like that... I'm telling you, man. I, that, I every wanna, single I day. I want to see that. That sounds magical. Every single day was, was sounds music. amazing. That's why I take that work ethic into comedy now. Yeah, and I think that's why my I parents mean, get it. Dude, I want to talk about that. I, I think that's why they get it. The the work ethic is practice. Of is music. The same. Yeah, is probably one of the most. I, I, I to me personally is most respected. Is discipline. Discipline. Is discipline. Is, man. is being that's musician. All it is. That's all it is. I mean, especially playing, would you say, like a classical instrument? Oh, all of them. I was playing classical on all of them. But that's what I mean. Like, you know, people are like, oh, you're, are you talking about playing guitar in my bedroom? No, no I'm no. not. I'm talking about the classical instruments where, I mean, the discipline to do talking that. Talking chamber music at 12 and all that type of stuff. It's unbelievable. Yeah. And people are like, well, what about football park? Nope, no, no, no. Because no. <laughs> you no. can leave that at home. You can I leave mean, that on the field. You, you, don't have, uh, you don't have your pads on you all the I time. I mean, like, I, I mean... I can't imagine learning how to play piano, let alone classical instruments. Yeah. So that that kind of work ethic and discipline into comedy, you you see that because you're like because I, I feel like people that don't know you, they're like, what? How is why is he like this? <laughs> What's going on? Oh, yeah. It's, I didn't make any of it. It's not like I made a character to portray like off stage, like in yeah, terms yeah. of how I have to do it. Yeah. That's actually just how I'm wired. I have to be that way. That's why I started doing that three and four and five. Right, right. So playing all that music and then always playing with people older than me, yeah. uh, always playing in really good settings. Right. Once I started doing comedy, it was like, all right, who are the people with the most experience? Right. Okay, those that's cool. What are the prime venues? Right. What, what are they playing like in there? Right, So right. what do I have to do in terms that's, of what I'm playing like to get know, into there? And that's it's the same that, thing as that's music. That's exactly how I thought. I don't, I, you know, I could probably talk about it where I got that from, but, you know, I felt the same way as when I started. I was like, no, I want to get in front in the best rooms, yeah. stand around the best comedians, get to know the best comedians. What do they do? What, what do, they do, do they do? What do they do? What do they think I should do? Yeah. I want to watch what they do, how they do it, you know, where they do it at. I want to do that there. You know what I mean? It, it totally. made sense. Because if you want to be the best, why would you not emulate the best? You, you, you have to... 
I, I, I really believe in absorbing, right? And, sure, absolutely. And especially in what we're doing, you can't, you can't lift bits, right? And, you, and right. there's stylistic things that you can do, but if you just absorb what somebody's doing professionally, like crap, and sometimes this is a little hacky right. to say, but in terms of the craft, what are the little things that they're doing? Like, that's why I used to go to jazz concerts and be like, oh, how's he playing that little turn right there? Or, or how's that drummer doing that fill? Like, right, right. Cool. It's the same thing. Same thing into comedy, man. It's the same. It's almost taking the same format. It's different because it's my words. So that doesn't make it different because now right. I'm, I'm creator and performer yeah. as opposed to performer. Right. So that's, Yo, been, it's a, a totally different that's been a very big learning process for me. Absolutely. Wow. Okay, creating the material. Because music, you're used to playing, you know, dead white guys' music. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like... Like if you're playing some Vivaldi, he's been gone since like 1851 or something. Like so, is there, is there any famous black composers? Yeah, you know uh, the classical ones. When I was more in the game, I used to be able to rattle them off, and now I can't, which is which is bad on me, honestly. <clears throat> I mean, jazz is the easiest one to go down the, on the line. On Martin Luther King's birthday, Norlex. Yeah, man, that's a double <laughs> knock. Double knock. I'll take an L for that. No, I was just <laughs> really curious. I'm like, there's got to be somebody that's like, you know, been a, you know pioneer of you know of black classical music well, yeah i mean yeah, just, they are i just can't remember any yeah, of their names which okay. what, what right. i said i'm, I'm mad at myself for that's that. all right uh and now i want you to name all new york championships no i'm just kidding <laughs> um i could probably do like the last 15 years worth uh shoot. i could no i could probably do the last 30 the last 30 years i can the yankees so that's easy i'm just kidding yeah all right that's rhetorical all right well, <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, the I'm always uh, willing to throw down my New York sports knowledge <laughs> gauntlet. Yeah, <laughs> watching watching you and the owner of the Pleasure Bar here, where we do comedy sauce, talk, talk about basketball. Yep, I'm just like, I'm just. It's like watching my kid, my parents fight. Somebody's like, got to talk they, to I them. know they love each other. You know what I mean? But, but like, they don't see eye to eye at all. Yeah, it's I'm, amazing. Somebody's got to talk to him about how wrong he is consistently, <laughs> and that's his friend. And it's as a so patron funny. of this establishment, yeah, I, I feel responsible to do such things. I <laughs> hope we can so overhear funny. this. I'm, I'm shit talking in the back of his He's bar. He's so mad. <laughs> but the Clippers. Yeah. Uh, uh, he's not here. I was going to make a very specific reference. I forgot what I was going to ask you next. Um, I don't know. What's so, up? What, oh, what's up? Uh, I'm kicking it. So, so we kind of know where you're coming from. And so then I learned that, like, so from out of, from out of high school, you, you toured a lot. Yeah, uh, last two years of high school. Well, first time I ever traveled internationally for music, I was 14. That was to Japan. That's crazy. Uh, for jazz. I was playing second jazz and senior jazz band. At 14, I was second stealing beers off of my friend's parents. <laughs> uh, I was I was sipping sneaks of wine at my aunt's crib. So, uh, um, yeah, so that was 14. Then really 15 is when I was able to really start traveling for it. Yeah. Uh, so, like, uh, Kentucky, D.C., uh, Florida, Carolinas, all over Jersey. That was like every right, other right. thing. 15, 16, I started playing off-Broadway stuff and like amateur music gigs like uh, a church service, you know, right. stuff like that. Easter yeah, yeah. Sunday, the, yeah, that's yeah. huge for musicians. Oh, yeah. Um, they pay you to come play. Yeah, they come because yeah, yeah. like, they want the horns up in the balcony. Yeah. Uh, so the guys that I met started letting me sub for them at 15, 16. Wow. Uh, my, all my music teachers would be like, yo, I got a kid that's coming. Yo, listen to this dude. Yeah. Uh, so I was able to do that, travel the country, and then went back to Japan at 17, got to go up to Canada at 16. Um, that was all, most of that by that point was on trombone. That was mostly. Wow. Because uh, jazz and band trombone was really where I was kind of killing it on people. So. Stunting on people. So then, like, 
you went to you came to Pittsburgh. Yeah, I went to Carnegie Mellon School of Music for trombone. Okay, Carnegie Mellon University School of Music. Three quarter scholarship too. Let's let's drop three quarter scholarship. Let's drop that. This the, <laughs> that's a really good school. Yeah, it's top ten music. music school in the country. That's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> so when so then you started your radio show while you were in college, right? No, uh, no. The, the radio and comedy a little more simultaneous. Where it was so. So explain the process from college to right, okay. comedy. So I just uh, love. I think it's. I think. I think now, it makes a lot more sense for people. Maybe, maybe it's not. Maybe it's not grown that business, but I think it's an amazing comedy process. You know what I mean? It's because uh, you are a grown man. Yeah. Like this. How old are you? Twenty six. You're twenty six years November. old. Look, I was gonna say twenty five. Wait. Oh, I just no, you just turned 26. November, that's right. Yeah. That's right. I remember. Um, because I try to explain to people, it's like, I, I, people that meet you, they're like, oh, how does Norlex? I'm like, oh, he's 25. They're like, what? What? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, he's a grown man. Yeah. Like, because he's been through shit. Yeah, I've been through the ring of man. I put myself been, through some of that, too. Been, you know? been around the world, uh, yeah. like, touring as a classical musician. Like, yeah. that's the stuff that kind of grows you up a little bit. You know what I mean? Being 15, 16, 17, around 30-year-olds yeah. with no parents around yeah. will toughen you up. Yeah, I mean, like, absolutely. It'll make you more mature. Like, and I to see do things something that's older. very serious Yeah, that's like, and a serious skill is unbelievable. Uh, I want to, so let's, let's get to yeah, the, yeah, yeah. The, the music. So, so you're in uh, Carnegie Mellon University for music. And the sophomore year was like, I just wasn't happy in the music school anymore. Uh, and you've so, been doing music for that long and you just were like, eh. Yo, real, I'll give you the real story. Yeah. Uh, I was 19. I was singing in the back of orchestra. Yeah. Uh, CMU Philharmonic. Uh, we're playing like a Mahler piece or something like that. And I was like, yo, man, I can't be in the back of orchestra the rest of my life. I just had like that thought one time. Right. And it just settled it for me. So I finished the semester, obviously, school music. Then um, I had my old mentor. I needed some time. So a music camp that I went to up at Ithaca College, Dick Ford, I called up Dr. Ford. I was like, yo, man. Like, I don't know where my head's at with this right now. He's like, yo, come do an internship up here at Syracuse. You come work for me and then take two classes, right. playing some ensembles, and you can work the road up here with me. It'll be fine. Right. So in doing all that, it made me realize how much I really didn't want to be doing music So you anymore. did do a semester in Syracuse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So then uh, I went back home for six months, and I came back to CMU. Uh, I'm playing in ensembles and stuff. I'm a music student who's transitioning into the humanities college. Right. And I'm miserable. I'm like depressed, miserable, drinking. Wow. I'm I'm like grown man, divorced, drinking. Yeah. I mean, at, at 21. 20, 21. You know? <laughs> um, grown so, man, divorced, drinking. Like, real, it, was, it, was, it was serious. Uh, yeah. I didn't go to classes for like three, four weeks. At one point, my parents had to come be like, what the hell is going yeah. on? Uh, my uncle's girlfriend for Thanksgiving. So my, my family owns a restaurant back home. Yep. Um, and Which is one have, of the main reasons why I want to visit you in New York. Oh, come eat, man. To go to your family's restaurant. Uh, I'm going to break that diet and workout habit that so you got excited. going on for like a day and a half. I'm so having stuff. <laughs> um, I'll send you back with some good stuff, too. Um, um, we, we, had a, we had a comedy night at the restaurant. And right. it was on Thursdays. They forgot to cancel it, so it was going to happen on Thanksgiving. So at Thanksgiving, half of us went over to the restaurant so there could be crowd. Plus, people came. Uh, my uncle's girlfriend was there. The comics were bombing. After the show, I'm just like holding court, kind of just talking to yeah, people right. at the bar. She's like, I don't know what you're thinking about doing. I know you're kind of going through it, but you should think about comedy. I who said like, this? My uncle's girlfriend. Yeah. That's the first person who kind of... That's crazy, right? Whoop. Yep. That's an odd thing. It's odd super, person, right? I, I only knew her for like a year or two. They had been right, dating right. four or five, but uh, come back. She calls me two weeks later like, I didn't tell you this. When I was in college, I went to Howard. I used to go see all the guys at the D.C. clubs. 
I met Dave Chappelle, I met all those guys, you got that thing, so go and do it. Wow. So, wow. like, she's really, that's the second time she does it. Wow. Uh, me and Ed Bailey's frat, we had a kind of a variety show thing that happened right. every year. My frat brothers convinced me to come do it. Yeah, you went to college with Ed Bailey. Yeah. Uh, who's who you've had on here before? Yeah, I've had Ed on. Ed on. So no, we spent, have I had Ed on? Well, you should. Yeah, I have. I have had Ed on. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, oh my gosh! So we're sitting there, man. Uh, three weeks out, I just wrote this fifteen minutes worth. I just recited that two, three times a day for three weeks straight. Yeah. And then I went on stage and did it. That's uh, crazy. I did that first set. Ed was there. Yeah. Ed had been on a comedy scene for like six months already. Yeah. He's like, "Yo, you trying to do this?" I'm like, "Yeah, I think so, man." That Monday, that next, that was a Saturday. Yeah. That Monday, he brought me here. And how long ago was that? That was three, three years ago. Three years ago, about five weeks ago. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. About, yeah, about five weeks ago. That is such a crazy transition of life. I mean, and and I I was hating what I was doing and I found what I was like, this is what I was missing. I'm not trying to like put myself in, inject myself into it, but I, I think it's fascinating because I was a youth pastor. Yeah. And like went professionally, to full, that's what you were doing. Well, yeah. Yeah. I got degrees in it. Yeah. And I went to full-time acting and comedy. Man, so they, they, when did improv start for you? Was that during the past I, days or in the in-between I was doing kind improv of? ever since. Okay. Just since high school. I, I've always been doing improv. I've always been doing, like, movies and sketch comedy and little videos and stuff like got that. It, so it, there was it. always that. Stand-up was the last thing that I never did that just was like... You know, I so did for you some. It was, it was like a progression some, uh, to that. Um, I don't know. Yeah, that's why I'm pointing at this <laughs> No, that's why I'm pointing at this microphone. <laughs> so, but it was a real progression for you too, then, because like you started on one side of the spectrum, and slowly. I mean, if you're doing youth ministry, that means that you were up in front of people talking. Yeah. Right. And if you're oh, doing yeah, the church shows and stuff, and, you were entertaining and, and being yeah, funny. And, I mean, yes and no. I mean, part of it too was just building relationships with kids, with teenagers. Right, right. And you know, I worked with kids in Homestead in a in a in a rough neighborhood, and uh, you know, actually, I've worked with kids in every kind of neighborhood, and they're all very different. Um, but teenagers are teenagers. Teen, yeah. And the one way to get through to them is being funny to them, and just really just being transparent. And authentic, and me being goofy just was like he don't even care. Let me let me pick you back off of that. Yeah, uh, two years ago I was the after school program coordinator right. at Alderdice High right. School, and like the and first, I did that yeah. in an elementary school. Yeah, the first uh, three four weeks were kind of rough because like but I yeah. got to know the kids. I understand black kids in the inner city. Yeah, so I kept it cool. Then I try to be a little more disciplinary. I try yeah. to actually I kind of turned into my mom in the classroom. That's funny. I started to I called her. I called her in October. I was like, <laughs> yo, I'm starting to act like you when I'm with the kids. And so I, I kind of chilled out. Then I realized I've been telling jokes for a year and a half. Yeah. Why don't you just like just be a normal you, yeah. be professional, but like just be funny with the kids. Yep. So I started snapping on them the way I was snapping high school. Yeah, yeah. Get your outfit or get your hairline, all that type yep. of stuff. And they started to come on. They'll come back at me a little bit. We'll get goofy. Yep. You know, two months later, everything was solid. I Everything know. was cool. I had great relationships with all those And it kids. works. Yeah, it works. It works, too. That's how you get to them. It's fascinating. And it, it brings down that barrier that they build up to elders, period, especially yes. if you're dealing with inner city kids. Yeah, there's a, there's a fine line when you're working with kids of them respecting you but also kind of being their friend. There's, right. there's that fine line of authority and, like, kind of just being there for them. 
You know what I mean? And it could be hard to define that line sometimes. And it is. And once you once you let once you've allowed them to cross that line for too long, yeah, it's very hard to get them yeah. on the other side of it. So it's always it's almost kind of like playing like keep it up. Yeah, it's like you know double I mean? dutch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you got to know when you can jump yeah. in, know yeah, when you yeah. can jump out of that. It's like when you keep up the balloon. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's like that. Like you and can't jumping around. You let it hit the floor. Everybody's gonna be walking all over you. You're like the dude. Yeah, yeah. That's fascinating, dude. So yeah, now man. now. You're moving back to New York. Yep. What's your plans? Uh, keep working here as much as possible still. I mean, we'll see. <laughs> I'll be around, man. I'll, I know. I'll be popping up every few weeks. But I, and, and, and we always talk about, I can't imagine what you're going to learn in New York comedy. You know what I mean? That's going to be cool. Yeah, I mean, it's been great seeing seeing the amount of stronger comics has been the best part of it, honestly. Like seeing, yeah, how just many the, just the first night you went there, you're texting me and you're like, this is the show I'm watching. I'm like, wow. Yeah. And that was $5. Yeah. But, well, do you remember that? What was that yeah, show you texted me? Yeah, it was uh, Nick DiPaolo, Rich Voss, Bonnie McFarlane. Dude, Rich Voss uh, is so dude, funny. This dude, Christian Ramirez, who's like hilarious. Yeah. Judah Friedlander. It was just yeah. a $5 show at the stand. Yeah, and that's, um, I mean, I you know New York. I mean, I know L.A., you know how that stuff happens too. But it's just, you know, when you're able to sit there at the, at the, <laughs> at the comedy store, you know. And, and see an amazing show. Well, and the, and like somewhere at the comedy store, like if you're if you're with a comic or they kind of know you, you just go in the back. Yeah, and, and get introduced next to you know you rapping to so and so. Yeah, and you and you can just watch the show. So it's yeah. like you go look at the lineup and you're like, oh shoot! Like so, you pick maybe two or three comics you want to sit and down and watch. Mm. Then you go back out, you know, hang out with some comics. Go back in like, oh, uh, ooh, so and so. Oh, okay, like you know. You know, whatever. Like Chelsea Peretti's going up in about a half hour. I'll go back in. You know, you want to see someone. You know, it's it's really interesting. Yeah, uh, to watch people like that, and not even I mean, watching those that level of people, but then just seeing like the guys that nobody knows, but you know, got a little some. Yeah, and then when you get on with them, it's like yo, I got some too. What's yeah. up? Like that's you, been the, the the funnest part for me is like just putting my sword out that's there a too. Great. That's, that's a great. That's a that's that's a great uh, pickup. Yeah. What you're absolutely right. You need to watch the guys that never popped. That have been going to the cellar or the comedy store. Get stuck in the same cycle. It's very easy to get comfortable. But but they know, they're amazing comics. They're great comics. And you're like, but I don't really know them. And they're like, oh, they they've been doing it twenty years. Go yeah. watch them. Yeah. <laughs> Go watch them. And you're like, well, you're either you either abuse women, you're racist, or you're a drug addict. Or you really, but pissed. you're really good on stage. Yeah, yeah. Those guys, like, something you, happened you, to their life. You piss somebody off at some yeah, point. It could be so many different. Just things. didn't happen for them, but they're really good on stage. There's like, this one dude you can watch those old school guys go on after whatever Louis C.K. and not care. Bring the house down. They don't even. Care. They don't even care. They're like, who's this kid? You know, they don't even care. <laughs> and they're like 70. There's These guys are like 58, 59, 60 years old. There's this dude, Just man. Just smack it out of the I park. I had to follow him twice already, right? Yeah. Uh, in the village. Yep. Uh, there's this place called the Grizzly Pear. I had to follow him twice. He's like 25 years, and he's like, he's like 16, 17 years of being one of like the underground favorite old dude comics, right? Right. Like people just know who he is. Right. He gets a grand introduction every time he shows up on stage. You watch a guy like that, you're like, yep. if you would have got around the right people and done a little more stuff in other places, you might have done some super dope yeah. shit. You know, like, um, there's well, a guy, what are you doing for him? oh my gosh, I can't remember his name now. Oh my gosh, I just lost it. Oh, uh, uh, Jimmy, Jimmy Schubert. Jimmy Schubert is a guy that I knew of one of those old school guys that when I would go to the comedy store, 
everyone's like, oh my gosh, you got to watch Jimmy Schubert. He's amazing. He's hilarious. And just now he got a little more famous just because he uh, made it pretty far on uh, Last Comic Standing. Standing. But two years ago, when I would go to the comedy store, they're like, oh, Jimmy Schubert, you got to see this guy. And that's the comedy store people say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, they're like, this dude don't even care. He's amazing. And he was one of those guys. And and then when you see him, like, get far in Last Comic Standing, you're like, oh, good for him, dude. Jeez. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, he just, he's one of those old school cats that you can just watch and you're like, how does he do this so effortlessly? Just does not care about nothing. Time in. Time in, none lose. I mean, I love watching those guys, man. When people come in, uh, when you see like road dogs and you see, you just know the guys who've been out a lot, a lot. Yeah. I was like, oh, I'm watching this dude all day. I'm watching him all day. I mean, I could watch my friends, but I'm not learning from them. I could be learning what not to do, but if I want to learn what to do, I got to watch those guys go up there and yes, do it. Yes, absolutely. Honestly. I love it. Dude, yeah, man, thank you for having me on, bro. Man, I, I'm, I'm, I'm glad, you know, people can hear you uh, a little bit more about you because I know, like, you don't, you don't. Tell everybody what's going on. No, I don't really what happened with your life. Yeah. So I think people will be very interested because as much as I was when I first found out about your life and now, your journey, I got to start putting a little more, a few more pieces. No, I think, out I there. think part of part of like you know part of grown dad business is you know people's journeys and stuff like that and learning from people's journeys and and uh, I think it's fascinating. Oh, thank you. Well, people, hopefully and you have a fascinating too, journey. You have a fascinating journey. Uh, that should be on a. That should be on something inspirational. You know, like those wall coat things how that many, people how, put in their bathrooms? How many T-shirts have we made up so far? Yo, like a good three or four. <laughs> at least, no, I'm going to say five T-shirts. I, there's one that I'm really mad at you for not making. Okay. You know my, what that my, is. Well, that's how I end my podcast. Right, okay. I say be kind and be funny. And uh, then we got, we, got, um, we got down with the grease. Down with the grease, definitely. <laughs> down with the grease uh, for the ladies. Swagoo is coming. That, that one's coming, pun intended. Swagoo. See what I did there? And then that's we got talent, um, Aaron. Talent. What, was, what was the other? Um, lit. Grease make the ladies go woot woot. <laughs> no, you um, can't. that's too many words. No, yeah, it does. <laughs> I don't remember. No, the um, the chicks oh, love the grease or chicks dig the grease. I think yeah. that could be a, uh, oh, a hashtag shirt if you wanted to. That's ridiculous. Chicks dig the grease. Well, that my shirt that I will be making. It's be the end of my podcast. Funny, be kind and be funny. Absolutely. That's it. Thank you, brother. Thank you. All right.